Well, hey, everybody, this is Heidi St. John. Welcome to the Off the Bench podcast. You guys are in for a treat today because my friend, Dr. Mark Sherwood, is on the show. This has become one of the most requested uh, episodes here at the Off the Bench podcast because Dr. Mark Sherwood is answering listener questions. We've got some fantastic ones for you today. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. All right, you guys. Well, thank you for uh, meeting me right here at the intersection of faith and culture. Before I jump into this with Dr. Mark today, I want to remind you guys that I'm doing something pretty cool over at Spotify, and this is going to affect today's episode as well. I would love your feedback. You can go right to Spotify right now and you can leave comments on the shows and they'll show up for other people. So if you've got a comment about an episode that you hear with my friend, Dr. Mark and myself, or if you wanna participate in a poll, today's poll is gonna be all about circumcision and we'll get to that in a minute because that's a hot topic we're gonna jump right into. But jump on over to Spotify and you will see that there are some brand new things for you to do to help you interact with the podcast more. So. If you want to weigh in on today's poll about circumcision, don't do it until you hear what Dr. Mark has to say, but I'd love to have you guys jump into that. And for and with that exciting announcement, hey, my friend, welcome back to the show. I know. What a lead in talking about circumcision. <laughs> I truly feel like I'm off the bench right now to play on the words. But yeah, it's really good. So thank you for having me. Well, <laughs> you know, there's nobody I'd rather talk about circumcision with than you. I know, right? So That's there just you go. like one of those topics that it, it's going to affect a lot of people out there. And, and boy, it's yeah, a hot topic yeah. right now. It sure is. Before we get to that question, I want to hop uh, directly to a VIP subscriber. Mm-hmm. We have subscribers, as you know, that subscribe here. And uh, Brittany is one of them. And she said, hey, Heidi and Dr. Mark, when do you recommend starting babies on solid food? I recently heard it's best to wait for them to be closer to a year old because they have more of a developed digestive system. So it would help preventing allergies and other negative side effects. Dr. Mark, I'd love your input on this. What say you? Brittany, that is a wonderful question. And I appreciate your heart to breastfeed. That is brilliant. Good job. Push that with your friends and family and colleagues. Boom. Now, with that said, um, a lot of people sort of have varying opinions on that, whether eight months, nine months, or a year. I think it's individual, actually, because ultimately a child is born, Brittany, with this thing called leaky gut. Who knew? But the reason we have colostrum in the breast milk is to heal up that gut and prepare it for the receipt of food. So it does pass on antimicrobials, lactoferrin, and even growth factors to provide healing and and sort of boost that immunity so that the baby can then face the outside world. So I like the idea of just kind of allowing it to naturally take place. Don't put a firm timeline on it. I think you'll know with the mama's intuition, Brittany, when to begin to do that. And I think your baby will tell you as well. I think you'll see those signs and they introduce things. One little tip I'll give you to sort of help that process alone. You can actually use a good source colostrum as an adjunct to your breast milk. By doing that, you'll actually build up the immune system even better and you'll be able to give them a big old boost to their nutrition and get their system really robust and strong. Wow, and can I just say, you know, I've raised seven kids and uh, 
you're, I agree with you, Mark. That that baby's going to let you know. I mean, there's going to come a point when you realize, okay, the breast milk just isn't cutting it or the bottle's just not cutting it. And you're going to add rice to their diet or mm-hmm. whatever it is that you do because you want them to, wait for it, sleep through the night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, Go figure, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think sometimes, you know, we can, uh, and you and I have talked about this before, but we can overthink things, right? We can start, we can become so worried about what the latest study is that we're listening to the studies and not listening to the baby. So yeah. uh, listen, listen to your baby and trust your mama instinct God gave them to you. Mama instincts, father instincts that God gave us are better than any doctor instincts there is. So just know that that's something you can trust. I love that. All right. Here's here's the big whack-a-mole for today. Are you ready? Oh, boy. Uh, there's okay. nobody I'd rather whack-a-mole with uh-huh. than you. And so uh, here we go. Dr. Sherwood, thank you so much. This is an anonymous listener, by the way, in Missouri. Mm. Thank you so much for your time and information. I find you both, uh, you and Heidi, edifying and encouraging. I'm currently pregnant with my fourth child, which will be a boy due at the end of November. I'm planning to have a home birth and have hired a midwife who is also a Christian. At my latest appointment, I asked how we would plan to go about circumcision. She proceeded to to provide me with some information, not rudely, she's pointing out, as to why circumcision is unhealthy and potentially dangerous for my son, also touching on how it would negatively negatively affect his sex life in the future. I have been doing my own research, but I am even more confused as I find medical professionals who disagree I understand circumcision was an Old Testament action required to set God's people apart, but we're not under the law. I'm having a hard time with this. What in the world does this woman do? Well, I want to congratulate you on your fourth pregnancy. That's awesome. I look forward to your son being a a wonderful, uh, faith-filled young man in the world. With that said, there is a hot topic out there right now. A lot of people are sort of hardcore anti-circumcision. Um, here's the thing. I can tell you unequivocally, it will not, having circumcision, affect negatively that young man's sex life. That will not happen. Uh, we do a lot of procedures and processes here in our office and have a lot of conversations with, with young men uh, and with older men. And I can tell you that circumcision, whether having it done or not, has never provided a negative uh, idea or context or performance. Now, with that said, I will say this, and I, I'm going to be delicate in how I say this. When you don't allow the foreskin to be uh, cut through the circumcision process, there is a lot of bacteria that can accumulate within that um, space. We have seen it here in our clinic. When you pull that skin back, it can have a lot of uh, yeast and uh, material in there that does not provide a healthy environment at all. And because that's an area that has access to you, um, I find, this is my own opinion, that the non-circumcision has a chance to be more unhealthy over time because of that bacterial buildup. With that said, um, trust your gut, trust your instinct, kind of like our last answer, you know, trust your mother and father's instincts on what you deem is best for that young man. From the standpoint of getting it done or not, we, my wife and I would agree with me, uh, we see the benefits of that uh, outweighing the liabilities of not. Yeah, I, I appreciate you being uh, willing to wade into this. You know, several years ago, I was speaking up on Capitol Hill and the anti-circumcision crowd was there and they wow. were like, I'm serious. <laughs> They were throwing, I'm not, I mean, I hate to say this out loud, but they were throwing foreskins at people. I mean, it was, it was crazy. I was just like, what is happening? You know, uh, 
if if God if God recommended, even though we're not under the law, but if yeah. God recommended that this was something that He uh, wanted to have done to set the Israelites apart, I don't think He would have said, "Do this thing; it's going to affect you negatively no. in the future." And it kind of bothers me, I guess, a little bit that this midwife, and I'm sure she means well, but that she would tell this woman that her circumcised son could potentially have a negative impact on his sex life later. That feels like, you know, fear mongering to me because I agree with you. Uh, That was a choice that we made as young parents a long time ago. And, uh, and without going into much detail, because this is, I'm telling you what people are going to be mad. They're going to write in. I guarantee it, Mark, this will be the first time people don't like you. Uh, People are going to write in because it's become such a hot topic. So, Uh, I think the the conversation is appropriate. It's a good conversation to have. And how about we stop lobbing bricks at each other uh, over the interwebs about circumcision? You don't want to do it? Don't do it. It, But let's not also let's not also fabricate things. It's it's right. It goes along the lines of a lot of other controversial topics we've had to deal with over the last three years. Y'all get in my drift with that. You know, whatever people decide to do, you you want to have fully informed information slash consent. Driving one nail in the coffin or one side or the other with, with fear-mongering is, is never a good idea. And I conclude right. with you, Heidi, and I'll say it one more time just to affirm that point. Anything God suggested within his purview of being the creator of our universe is is never going to turn out as a bad thing. Now, I realize not being under the law is, is true, but I also realize that God talked about tithing. And some people would have an idea that tithing is not a New Testament thing. We're not under that anymore. But that's never a bad idea, right? I've heard people give that argument too. So we we want to kind of dismantle these, um, I kind of call them these these radical kind of arguments and get into more of the rational kind of concepts. Yeah, yeah. I I appreciate that. And again, you guys can leave a feedback for me yeah. if you want to. You can go over to Spotify. There is a poll that I'm doing right now. And you can also leave a comment on the show. By the way, those comments have to be approved by an administrator. So if you go to my show and you start screaming and yelling, no one's going to see it. So don't bother. Okay. <laughs> no, so you can't you go. foreskins and expect to get that done. No. <laughs> just, just Dude, it was, hor- it was horrifying. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, this is how you're going to make your point. Just, Oop-dee-doke. wow. Uh, Right. Moving on. That was very fun. Thank you for uh, thank you for that. Diane in Tennessee, uh, she's got a question of, about the female uh, body. She says she's 50 years old, had a hysterectomy. Three years ago, Diane, my heart goes out to you. I had a hysterectomy in my 40s, and it, that is not a, an easy thing to go through. She says, I'm having hot flashes as well as hip and joint pain that the doctor says is not arthritis. What supplements and vitamins would you recommend to alleviate these issues? Diane, this is a big deal, and uh, obviously there were reasons you went through the hysterectomy. So you were put into this, what I call, surgical menopause immediately. So your hormone production was was just drained at that point. So your body's going through hot flashes right now because of the lack of hormones. You've got several options. I think the joint pain is most likely tied to a loss of hormones and perhaps, I'm not speaking this on you, but I want you to be aware of it, perhaps a greater loss of bone than a gain of bone. It could be an osteoporosis situation developing. And so you want to be aware of that. So there's several things you can do. You can seek out a practitioner that is willing and good and highly trained at utilizing bioidentical hormones. That is always a good idea. 
Avoid synthetic hormones. Always a bad idea. You can actually uh, seek to uh, drive home better bone health right now through using formulas like an algae cal in the morning and a strontium in the evening. Uh, incorporate resistance training. Wait, 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 wait. Use a little what? bit of words there. Sorry about that. What? I'm like, wait a second. You, yeah. you talk about the straw man from the Wizard of Oz and no, something else no, that you no. said. Uh, I, that I missed was, it. Uh, these are things that we have. Um, algae cal, A-L-G-E-A, cal. That's something you can do. It. I like a dose of about two in the morning. And then I use strontium, S-T-R-O-N-T-I-U-M, I'll use that in the evening at one, and that typically is a good bone building for him, and then will kind of alleviate any osteopenia, osteoporotic process being developed. Oh wow! Right, okay. really wow. good. So hope all ladies listen to that. There, to build bone, that's a good protocol for you. Um, again, with with Diane, you want to look at. Um, there, there's a lot of talk out there that you can use quote unquote natural hormone remedies to generate hormone production. That's not really true. Uh, in a sense, you couldn't make a big difference in that because you don't produce any. Um, you could use some DHEA. That's got a big old word attached to it, dehydroepiandrosterone. But just DHEA, somewhere between 5 and 10 milligrams, that probably would be a good thing for you to do as well. Look at something called pregnenolone. Pregnenolone can help you somewhat. Um, and then certainly... Uh, eating a lot of good um, you know, protein-containing foods could sort of help formulate better uh, action of the body to keep your uh, system developing properly. And people can find this by going to Sherwood.tv forward slash Heidi. Um, and we really want, we're going to encourage listeners to do that. You've got a variety of ways that people can get a hold of you and they can get a hold of the people at your practice. I think it's really important to state because someone wrote into me last week and said, you know, I thought if I, if I, you know, logged in, I would see Dr. Mark right away. It's not just you at your practice, right? Yeah. There are other people there. The world does not revolve around you at your practice. No. There are other people there, right? Yeah. My wife and I typically are the, I call us the co-quarterbacks of the team, you know, right? So, <laughs> but everything, rest assured, every plan that comes through here, um, everyone that's generated, every protocol, it we if we're not doing it ourselves, you can bet that we approved it. So, you know. I love that. For the most part, we're a big team here. So one day you might get my wife, and she's she's better than I am, and she's more beautiful too. Um, and then you might you might get stuck with me sometimes too. So we just look forward to helping and being a servant to people. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. MyPillow is having a mattress sale. I have a MyPillow mattress and I love it. In fact, I'm getting ready to buy another one for my daughter. Right now, the Complete Mattress System is on sale for 50% off. This system comes with two free premium MyPillows and a free set of Giza Dream bed sheets. Mattresses come in coil and foam in a wide range of sizes from twin to split king and carry a 10-year warranty with a six-month money-back guarantee. Call 1-800-447-0541 
or visit MyPillow.com and use promo code Heidi to save 50% off the complete mattress sleep system. This deal won't last long. Enter promo code Heidi to save 50% today. Yeah, I I love it. I love what you guys are doing. I wouldn't have you on here all the time if I wasn't a super fan (laughs) of everything you guys are doing. All right, this is a really interesting question. And I'm actually, I'm impressed with this mama for bringing it up. This is an anonymous listener. We got lots of anonymous Mm -hmm. questions today, Mark, uh, in Minnesota. And she says two of her five children are still wetting the bed almost nightly. They are ages eight and 15. We have tried everything from dietary changes to bedwetting alarms to medication uh, desmopressin for a short time. While the medication was somewhat effective, I don't feel comfortable having my child take an artificial hormone for the long term. Do you have recommendations for how to help my children stay dry at night for the long term? My heart is breaking for them. All right. So I want you to right now, if you're listening, Miss Anonymous, breathe and relax because I have a friend, air quotes, who had the same thing happen with her children. And you have options here. I think that uh, obviously those situations are classically tied to stress and uh, fear, anxiety, all this stuff. And you you might have the doctor go down all those pathways with you. Um, But in this case, you need peace. And so peace resides in the following recommendation for you. Don't worry about it. Go to the grocery store and get them some of those pull-ups the pants for those young people that they can wear. And over the course of time, they will grow out of it. The less of a big deal you make it, I mean, have the conversation. And obviously, they're going to yes, wear those, sure. they're gonna wear those uh, pants that don't allow leakage on the bed. But they yep. will grow out of that. They absolutely will. The more you make it less of a big deal, the lower the anxiety will be in the process. And even for them, it's going to help them. But probably for you would be a, a good thing to just relax. And and obviously, you know, trust our Lord with this one. You know, I, it sounds kind of crazy to uh, pray that my kids won't wet the bed. But just, just ask the Lord to help with this. And he will. He cares about these things. Yeah, I, I could not agree with you more. I have... Uh known several friends over the years who've had this issue sometimes their kids into like their early teens and even in their mid-teens and those uh you're talking about something called good nights for older kids Mm -hmm. i think the worst part is you've got a kid who wants to go and have a sleepover which i don't recommend by the way i'm not a fan of sleepovers for a whole bunch of different reasons but maybe they're spending the night at grandma's house or whatever and they're just super embarrassed listen we don't need to embarrass Mm -hmm. our kids all right so i agree with you completely the vast majority of kids, I'd say upwards of 95% of these kids are going to grow out of it. So just relax, get them some good nights. Say, here you go. I got these for you. I found them in your size. They're not even ugly. They don't have Superman on them. They just look like regular <laughs> underwear. And uh, and then move on with your life. Yeah. Move on with your life. And uh, your kids are going to your kids are going to outgrow it. I, I totally agree. Crystal has an interesting question for you. She says her dad has vascular dementia and he has days where he's really tired and has very low energy. He also experiences feeling fuzzy-headed and unsteady. Is there anything you can do to help with these symptoms? Her mom's asked the neurologist, the cardiologist, and primary care doctor. It seems they've tried almost everything. Yeah, Crystal, this is a tough issue, and it's tough on you, and it's tough on your dad, no question, because people think in, in life, you know, we, we don't really fear losing our life as much as we fear losing our mind. 
So there, there's a whole other thing. But your dad, you got to support him. There's a there's a book out there that I'll recommend for you, and I, I I've got it in my credenza right in front of this uh, computer. It's called The End of Alzheimer's. The End of Alzheimer's by Dr. Dale Bredesen. B R E D E S O N. Great book. There are basically three components that you have to address here. The Alzheimer's dementia complex is really uh, tied to these three as a total. One is insulin resistance of the brain. In other words, too much blood sugar in the brain. The brain becomes insulin resistant. It can't use glucose. So you want to sort of clean up the diet. Go with more of a uh, high um, ketogenic-oriented diet. That's number one. Number two, the brain also has a ton of testosterone receptors. And so your father probably has no hormones. And so because of that, a little bit of testosterone would help that man immensely, right? And the third component here is going to be the idea of toxicity in the brain. The brain is mostly fat. Many times the brain can accumulate like things like heavy metals. So it wouldn't be a bad idea to test for mold and heavy metals because sometimes multiple mold toxicities and mycotoxin toxicities can mimic Alzheimer's dementia symptoms. And so there's a lot of things out here that you can do. Do not feel helpless. Do not ever feel hopeless. And don't mm. trust a system that has no other options for you other than, well, just get over it and deal with it. Yeah, it's so important. And you've been talking a lot about the importance of omega-3s mm -hmm. and a supplement of omega-3s. Why is that? People should be doing that. Why should we be doing that? Every human being out there, every person that's listening right now over the age of 12, you need to be on at least three grams of an omega-3 fatty acid that has at least a three to two ratio of EPA, big word, eicosapentaenoic acid, so stay with EPA, and DHA, docosahexaenoic acid. Stay with DHA. So three to two ratio. The one that I like that I use personally is called Biomega 1000. People can reach right out to us. And I have no loyalties to any company. I have loyalties to quality. People need to know that. So I'm not going to tell somebody to do something I'm not doing. Specifically with brain health, most people that have brain issues are deficient in omega-3 fatty acids. So even with this particular uh, situation, Crystal, for your father, omega-3 fatty acids are great. There's even some exogenous ketones that you could use that we could help you get. You can help your father in this situation a lot. There is a ton of other brain nutrients such as ginseng. Those things help a lot as well. Yeah, it changed my life. I mean, uh, you guys put me on uh, that Myobanga Month 1000. I've been doing it since since you took like 17,000 vials of blood from me in some weird oh, yeah. uh, appointment. It was only 15,000. Come on. No, not 17. It's just, just a small, it was just a small amount. Huh. But I'm telling you what, I feel like my brain is yeah. sharper and and it really did make a difference. There are a lot of people who are listening to this, even post-COVID, who have had that oh. sort of brain fogging. We know COVID's back now, right? The CDC, although they're saying it's just a cold now. <laughs> It's, it's just a cold. I'm like, how about we stop testing everybody for COVID? Can we just stop that? Can we just stop already? Die, I don't know. You know? Come on. I just am just like, ooh, go away. Every time I see yeah. Father Fauci, I'm just like, ooh, go away. One more question, and this is a a, a big one. Uh, this is a 28-year-old, another anonymous listener in Indiana, did not take the jab. I said two previous pregnancies and uh, lost their third mm. At uh, she found out at the eleventh week ultrasound, they believe that the baby died around eight weeks and three days. 
she was prescribed uh, misoprostol instead of doing a DNC. The pregnancy passed, and now she's waiting for her body to heal. She was told that the bleeding could last up to four to six weeks, but she's rounding the eight-week mark taking post-taking the medication. She's still spotting. She hasn't stopped bleeding. She hasn't had a regular cycle. Is this something she should be concerned with? Is her body trying to reset and it can't? Is there something you'd recommend to take or to do to help my body be able to reset? Yeah, you're 28 years old. And um, let's believe right now that if it's God's will, you will uh, become a mama and you'll get the birth of that child. That'll be awesome. I want to agree with you right now on that in Jesus' name, my friend. So with that said, it would not be a good thing to keep on bleeding like that. That just makes sense. There could be all kinds of issues such as anemia is developed, right? And so if you're having a lot of fatigue right now, you need to start checking things like your complete blood chemistry to make sure you're not anemic, right? That's one issue. Another thing to understand just, you know, why you would lose pregnancies, you've got to check your thyroid and you want to make sure you have adequate progesterone. Both of those are necessary to uh, maintain a good pregnancy. <clears throat> many times in today's world, many, 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 excuse me, the progesterone goes low. We don't hold a pregnancy. So if you begin to lose those first trimester pregnancies, look at progesterone. Again, progesterone can be something that can help turn off the bleeding because when that, when that lining sheds in that second half of the cycle to begin another one, the thing that protects that waiting on the egg to get fertilized is progesterone. So Get your progesterone checked, get your thyroid checked, and consider even right now getting on a little bit of progesterone, maybe 25 milligrams or something like that, and that's easy to get. And that could probably be a game changer for you. Yeah, I I agree. And and again, uh, you know, I think you and I have talked about this before, Mark. I suffered a miscarriage mm -hmm. after our third baby and lost that baby, went in for a routine ultrasound, mm -hmm. and, and we discovered at that point that that baby had died. It really is traumatic for a person who has, you know, already had a healthy baby. You just assume, oh, everything's mm -hmm. going to be fine. Well, that taught me that life is precious and yeah. that we're not always guaranteed. And so, so important for you to give that encouragement and just really pray in Jesus' name that the fear be removed mm -hmm. and that uh, she has a healthy pregnancy going forward. People can reach out to you by going to Sherwood.tv forward slash Heidi. One, well, one last question. I'm, I'm looking at my time. I've got really quickly, I've got time for uh, one more. People can come to you for supplements, right? Mm -hmm. Nicole in Arkansas, <clears throat> how do we know which supplements to take for optimal health? Our family's very healthy. None of us are taking medication. Our meals are, ho you know, homemade, blah, 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 blah. She's a homeschooler. So yay. You know, she's she's checking all the boxes. She said her concerns are sleep issues, especially with my husband and 13-year-old daughter. They often struggle to fall and stay asleep. And for myself, I feel like I ran out of energy. What opinions and options do you have for supplements really quickly? All right, Nicole, in Arkansas, my neighbor state, here you go. Write this down. BioDK. One daily, BioDK one daily. As I previously spoke, BioMega 1000, three daily. You can take those all at once. I'd like to see you on a multivitamin. So one that I think would fit you guys, go with the chewable, active nutrients chewable. Tastes like a Fred Flintstone's vitamin, for those of you who know what I'm talking about. It's good. Without all the garbage. Without no, without any sugar. It's the doses for the, the chewables. They work great. You guys can take those as a family. Four for your, chil your child and... Also, your husband as well. I would also like to see you take vitamin B supreme, dose of one, and then finally magnesium buffered, chelate, and that's C H E L A T E. 
I'd like you to take one of those in the morning and two at night before bed will help you sleep. There you go. Man, you are a walking health encyclopedia, <laughs> my friend. I love having you on here. And uh, this has just been great. I'm out of time for today, but I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Can't thank you enough uh, for just your love for people. You really are dealing in hope here. I thank you for coming on the show. And we're going to do it again yes. between my travel schedule and yours. We've had a hard time getting you on the show, but I I know you're going to come back really soon. Thank you. Where can people find you online? Yeah, go to Sherwood.tv forward slash Heidi. Um, Everything we talked about, you can you can connect with us through that. We'd love to work with you. All of our social media is there, and uh, and and I've told Heidi this, and I'll tell you this, folks. This this is my favorite favorite podcast of all to be a part of, and I mean that. Well, it's a joy to have you. I feel like I won uh, the lottery having you on here all the time. So thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. You guys want more information on today's guest? You can find my friend Dr. Mark Sherwood by going to Sherwood.tv forward slash Heidi. It's really important that you guys use that link. Kind of helps him to know where you're coming from and it helps me as well. So thank you guys for doing that. We really appreciate it. I hope you guys have a wonderful day and that you've been encouraged. Get off the bench, get onto the battlefield. I'll see you right back here again at the intersection of faith and culture.